And welcome to another edition of the Michigan Basketball Insider. Another week, and man, a lot to talk about. More victories to talk about. Michigan, the only undefeated team in the Big Ten, surging in the rankings. And now, based on their most recent performance, catapulted, according to seemingly all the pundits, into not only the Big Ten championship discussion, but the national championship discussion. No one, no pundit knows this team better, though, than my friend, my partner, a guy who wore that uniform, was a standout himself at Michigan before going on to the NBA, and now a commentator uh, doing analysis for Pistons games with Fox Sports Detroit and a college basketball commentator as well, my good friend Tim McCormick. Tim, how are you? Sam, you sound happy today. What's going on? <laughs> Fired up, Tim. I've I've been watching Michigan my whole life. Uh, I've been really, really impressed and enthralled with a lot of different teams, right? Uh, but I, I just, you know, watching this team, how it's come together, and the way that they're performing, I, I haven't been – I don't know that I've been more impressed with a regular season performance than what we just saw Michigan do to Wisconsin. I've been as impressed, but I don't know that I've been more impressed. But let's 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 pump the brakes. I got to start out giving you credit again, because so often on this podcast you will lay out something, you know, a statement, a prediction. I say, I don't know, Tim. We'll we'll have to see how that works out. And then sure enough, we get in the game and it happens. Right? You call the breakout game for for Franz Wagner, for instance. We talked about it on the show. You said Michigan is going to beat Minnesota, and it's not going to be close. And, Tim, I don't know that you saw the blitzkrieg that they unleashed (laughs) on Minnesota, but you were right, man. You were right. Michigan won that game comfortably, and I think it's important to revisit what it was you saw that made you say they're going to be able to handle this game because I think it'll, it'll color the commentary as we head into talking about what Michigan was able to do to, to Wisconsin. Well, Sam, I didn't see a 43 to six run, um, but I watched really closely last year when Wisconsin beat Michigan. And, and I felt like Juwan grew from that game more than any other, any other player, any other coach he just, he, he learned pick and roll defense. He, he learned that you can't leave Demetri Trice. And, okay, but, but, and but wait, think- but wait, I, I want to, I started out first talking about you called out Minnesota. You you yeah. said and and Hunter dominated Liam Robbins in that in that game. And I don't know if you saw that, but Michigan blew them out too. I mean, that you know, Wisconsin was the third blowout in a row, but you called the double digit victory over Minnesota as well. And I don't know what it is, what kind of, you know, crystal ball you have on this team, but you I didn't hear anyone else saying Michigan was going to win that game by double figures. Well, I I am um, I really like what I see from Michigan, and I think one of the keys um is Mike Smith. And he's their most improved player, especially on defense. And so I've seen him getting better slowly every game. And, and I've, I've really gained great respect for him. I, I was worried about his size coming in and the speed of the Big Ten. I thought it might be too much. I was wrong. And at the beginning, he was really selfless. He was kind of waiting and learning. And, and when I say selfless, like some guys, and I probably would be there too, I've been traded a lot. And I always felt like when I came to a new team, I wanted to immediately earn everybody's respect, show them how good I could do. And, and Mike Smith is not that guy. He's fit in and he's picked his spots and he's getting better and better. And look, 
we both love X. I'm not saying that Mike Smith is a better player than X, but on this team, he fits better because he's a court spreader and he can get to the rim and his defense is getting better and better. And, and so a big reason why I felt like Michigan was poised to win these three games convincingly is the fact that Mike Smith is getting better. And I thought that he was going to be not a missing element because he's been there the whole time, but his play is exactly what they need. Well, I, I started to buy into the, the Minnesota talk, at least a victory. I don't know if I was you know ready to say double digits, but a victory. I felt like Hunter was going to come to play and he did, but he dominated that, that outing. He, he dominated Liam Robbins. I think finished that game with, with five points and four boards. Hunter gave him 28 and eight. I mean, a career high. It was, it was an unbelievable showing for Hunter, but what it does and what it did, Tim, and you've talked about this before, Hunter's going to be the top of everyone's scout. And there's going to come a time, whether it's either it's through foul trouble or he's just off one night or a team is just successfully taking him away. There's going to come a point where Michigan has to adjust and they have to be able to get their offense in a different way. What's going to happen when that moment comes? And Tim, that moment was against Wisconsin because they were taken, they were committed, they were determined to take Hunter Dickinson out of the game. And early in that contest, the first half of that contest, they were able to do it. Two points. But Michigan went into the break with a 17-point lead, and they were getting their offense from everywhere else, Tim. So the first really big test where Hunter isn't going off like we've seen Hunter go off, in this game, Michigan showed that they can beat you a lot of different ways. Yeah, it's um it's a it's a really interesting topic to me because Hunter is the go-to guy and everybody knows it. And I don't think people appreciate how hard it is to be that featured weapon. And you know, I can remember um for myself being a young big guy. I like I was not Michigan's best player when I was there. I was never the best player on an NBA team, but but I learned something really valuable um my junior year I um I had a big game at the Omni against Georgia. Um, I had 25 points. I was the Big Ten Player of the Year. It was pretty early, and I was all proud of myself. And the next game, I came back, and I found out what it's like to be at the top of a, an opponent's scouting report. We played Dayton, and they just shut me down with double teams. They didn't let me get the ball. And so it's it's really hard to be a team's featured guy. And that's what Hunter is right now. And the fact that he was so patient, did not force the action, and, and and he relied on his teammates, that shows so much maturity. And then he has 10 points in the second half, which is normally what he would do. Um, the first half, it was totally our wings. Franz, who I, I thought was, was just dynamic, mm-hmm. just a complete player. He and Livers dominated the first half. Mm-hmm. They were aggressive. They set the tone. Uh, they were the leaders defensively they were blocking shots they were long and active and and I thought that was that was maybe the best game the best all-around game that I've seen from France he's had better scoring games but but his defense his rebounding um, he's become a really good wing shot blocker he gets steals it was so good and then I think that Greg Gard is a really good adjustment coach they made adjustments in the second half and, and all of a sudden it was Mike Smith and Dickinson that took over. <laughs> yeah, it was it was fun to see uh, them. You know, Wisconsin, I, I think, is used to you know, being the more physical team, being the aggressor. 
And it was fun to see them not know what to do when someone was doing that to them. And, mm. and that, that, that to me stuck out in this game. And Greg Gard sort of said that afterwards. Like, man, they, we just were kind of thrown off by that. I mean, think about, think about the first, I believe it was the first basket. Uh, you have Isaiah coming tight on a curl. You know, and and when he gets to the rim, Tim, you know, I'm threw thinking, it he, down. yeah, he threw it down. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. You saw exactly what I saw. It's like he's not laying up. He slams it down. And then they go on the other end, and and Reavers, who has a, a couple of inches on him, I'm going to back this guy down. I'm going to back him in the post. He tries to go up, and Isaiah blocks his shot. You know, it, you 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 saw I, that was a tone to me, a physical tone on both ends by one guy that was, to me, indicative of the kind of effort that we saw from the entire team for the whole game. Isaiah, you know, he came down, hit a three. They were, they were, they got offense from their defense. You mentioned as they get into the second half, the two man game is working with Mike Smith and Hunter. I mean, this team can get you so many ways. And so Hunter, two points in the first half, 10 points in the second half. And Greg guard said, Hey, give, we didn't play our best game, but make no mistake. Give them a ton of credit. They did to us with aggression and physicality what we're used to doing. He said, I look at our, our foul, you know, the fouls that we committed, the number of fouls we committed. That told me everything I needed to know about how aggressive we weren't in this game. And Michigan really took it to them last night. Sam, when, when we go back in time, uh, when we were doing our preseason Big Ten picks, we both picked Wisconsin to win the we Big sure Ten. sure did. Um, I think you liked them a little bit more than I did, but we both picked them. And, and it got me thinking about why that is. You know, I, I picked them over Michigan because I thought that, that at the point guard, they would be more solid with the boards, I mean, with the ball. But yesterday, it was Mike Smith that was the best point guard on the court. And Michigan only had eight turnovers. Um, I think back to the physicality that I always expect from Wisconsin. Think about Ethan Happ and Sam Decker and Nigel Hayes and John Lohr and Devin Harris. and. Marcus Landry. I mean, that's, they've always played really physical. Um, Wisconsin, more than anybody else, they use their lower body. That's something that Bo Ryan always taught. And they would knock people off balance. And, and, and what I saw, it reminds me of on the, the playground where the bully, the, the tough kid, gets beat up by somebody that <laughs> traditionally you wouldn't have expected it. And, and, and I, just, I just thought that Michigan pitched a shutout against a team that I would have never, ever expected that. Uh, 23 and 24-year-old veteran guys, hardworking, incredibly successful. And, and, I, and I went back and studied the run, the, 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 the 43 to 6 run, and it was an analytical expert's dream. You know, analytics dictate that you shoot layups and threes and no mid-range shot and you try to get three-point shots. And, and during that stretch, there were 16 Michigan baskets. Seven were uncontested layups. Four of them were dunks. And there were four wide-open threes. And, and seven different Michigan players scored during that. It, it was just it was beautiful basketball. And if you would have told me that Michigan would do that or anybody would do that to Wisconsin, I would not have thought it was possible. <laughs> Man, you are pipeline into my into my brain right now Tim cuz I was having the same reaction like this they can't be doing this to to Wisconsin you think you think physicality which is what the Big 10 is predicated upon 
and has been for for decades. I mean, there are a few teams that you think of first. Uh, I think Michigan State and Wisconsin at the top of that. You can throw Purdue in there, but those two teams especially you you really think of. You aren't going to out-physical Wisconsin. And they were able to do that last night. And they were able to do it, though, without fouling. I mean, that's another thing that I think is so impressive about this team. And I think it gets back to something else that you said. I, Tim, I, I hope you understand how much I pay attention to our conversations. You remember back when we were talking about they, they got Shondi Brown now and Hunter Dickinson is coming. And you said, Sam, this will be one of the longest teams in basketball, period. Not just college basketball. This will be a longer team than some NBA teams. They're longer, for instance, than the Houston Rockets, you said. And so mm-hmm. when you pair, when you, you have a physical team like this that pairs it with length, they have the ability to contest, you know, a bunch of shots without foul. And they can, they can give space on the wing and cut off drives and close out because they're so long and still contest shots. Uh, you know, their help defense is that much more potent because they can, the reach is, is across the board. I mean, the way that they can switch on the perimeter because they have such – you know, such depth, length, and athleticism. They check a lot of boxes on the defensive end of the floor. But the biggest thing to me on that end, and you can speak to this, is the buy-in, Tim. I remember Juwan Howard saying as they went to the December break, uh, you know, we, we're toward the bottom of the Big Ten in defense. I can't – we can't compete. We can't contend if, this, if that's the case. It's hard to believe that this is the same team because they are one of the best defensive teams in the country with the way they're playing right now. No, it's it's a it's a really good point. I appreciate you bringing that up. And you know, I um I had a really good conversation last night with my nephew Lou, um, and he really knows Michigan basketball as well. And he said, "Think about this: you've got Brooks and Wagner are your best two defenders, and and your third defender, Sean V. Brown, off the bench. That that is the mark." of a team with great potential. Um, they're, they're able to target an opponent's best players. Think about Nate Reavers. I love that guy. He's going to get a lot of all Big Ten votes. Two for nine, no blocks. He's the all-time shot-blocking leader <laughs> in Madison. Yeah. He had two rebounds. And, 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 and then also, I just, once again, let me say this again. If somebody would have said, hey, Sam, Michigan's going to be up by 40 tonight against Wisconsin. <laughs> no way. You would have fallen over. You know, that's what you would do. You wouldn't even do it to the lowest level MAC team. You would go down to D2 and the GLIAC to find an opponent that you have that much of a mismatch. I just, I'm still puzzled by it. I'm shocked by it. And, and it's just, it's one of the most impressive efforts that I've seen. It reminded me a little bit of Michigan being Gonzaga last year and the year before. Um, beating Villanova. You just don't see that very often against elite programs. Yeah, and you don't see, you've never seen what Michigan just pulled off. Uh, it's, you know, it's not embellishing at all when I say that. Three straight ranked opponents by 19 or more points. Michigan just accomplished that feat. No team has ever done that. And so it it's it, teams that have been playing well coming into into this contest and Michigan just absolutely dismantled them. Absolutely. I mean, the, the scouting and the, the attention, the detail of the scout up and down the line, knowing weaknesses, knowing tendencies. I mean, this is a team that is really bought into, to that aspect of things as well. You can see it in the performance on the court. And the thing that I guess 
to me, kind of makes me confident that they can maintain this level of focus. And that's not to say they won't lose games, Tim. But remember our conversation with Isaiah Livers, and he talked about how important that Oakland game was to them. And they almost lost it, but they pulled it out in overtime. Everyone outside the program was talking like they lost it. I mean, they fell out of the rankings. It was like, oh, this team won't compete. They won't contend. They didn't pay attention to that. If they had, they'd be in a tank right now. And it's why I'm confident that with all the praise they're receiving now, everyone's saying they can compete for the Big Ten Championship. They can compete for the National Championship. I think they have all us completely tuned out, just like they did after the Oakland game. It's a happy team. And when you watch the bench, they're having so much fun. I have to tell you, Sam, if I was on the bench, I don't think I could ever be happy and jumping up and down. Like, I don't know if that makes me a little selfish, but but those guys are having so much fun. It's almost like, uh, you want me to go in, Coach? Well, all right, guys, I'll be back in a minute. Like it's it's like you have to leave a party. Um, and it also makes me think that Jace Howard has had an amazing impact off the court. He hasn't had a chance to really play a lot yet, but you can see – that he has an infectious personality that has made that bench a happy place um, where, where guys, you know, they're really buying in, they're enthusiastic, they run on the court. I, like, I think, I think it's really important to note that. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. It's also important to note, look, as good as last night was, Michigan is not 40 points better than Wisconsin. No. All right. All right. You know, Michigan played about as well as they could possibly play and they they blew up Wisconsin to the point where when they did get open shots, Tim, there were a few times where they got open shots that it just felt like they were surprised that they were open and they they kind of maybe rushed it or got out of whack a little bit and they missed shots they would normally make. So this is yeah. – it, it'll be a different story uh, down the line for them. You know, Greg Gard said that they, they don't tra- – they weren't traveling home. They were going to be here overnight before traveling to Rutgers, I believe, uh, that they were going to – they were going to respond to this, and I expect that to be the case. But Sam, last night was two wins for Michigan because Wisconsin will not be able to get up off the floor after that one. They're going to lose at Rutgers too. Okay, all right. Well, look from your lips, I'm I'm done. You know, questioning Tim McCormick's predictions because they have been <laughs> they have been spot on at least as they relate to Michigan in the Big Ten. But speaking of Michigan in the Big Ten, you know, we'll we'll come back around to talking about. Uh, the matchup, the rematch with with Minnesota, and and maybe the league race where now a lot of people are putting Michigan uh, made Michigan the favorite. I mean, they're the only undefeated team there at the top of the standing, so I get it. Uh, but you know, is that how we think it's going to play out? We'll get into that after we talk to one of the premier voices in the game, Tim. When you think college basketball, there are a few voices you think of. And Clark Kellogg, my my friend, is absolutely one of them. This is a great get to get on the podcast. Yeah, Clark is has been a friend and somebody I idolize, and 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 what a great player. You know, one of the guys that truly um, had Hall of Fame potential and a, a very bad knee injury. And and to put it in perspective, um, when I visited Ohio State. Um, my decision came down to Michigan, Ohio State, North Carolina. And that's crazy to think that as much as I loved Michigan, that I would even consider playing for the Buckeyes. But I was so attracted to the idea of playing with Clark. Um, He's one of the most high-character people that I have ever met in the game of basketball. 
and 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 so it's just a real privilege to have him on our podcast absolutely looking forward to this one as i do every single week just keep bringing the fire as far as guests that certainly describes our next guest so we will get to clark kellogg after this break and we'll be back here on the michigan basketball insider and we are back folks here on the michigan basketball insider and this is one of the great privileges of having Tim McCormick as a friend and a co-host on a podcast. He has a contact list that is prestigious, that has some of the best uh, contacts in the country, like our guest this week. Uh, You see him on college basketball broadcasts every single year. He's been a fixture for years as, as far as commentary I listen to. I'm talking about none other than Mr. Clark Kellogg, the guy who coined the phrase stat sheet stuffer. Clark, how are you, man? I am terrific, Sam and Tim. Great to be with you and um, really grateful that we're actually able to watch and talk about college basketball this year. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. And you forgot squeeze the orange. (laughs) Yeah, 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 I've got a few of them. Yeah, I I love words. (laughs) I've always loved words and love basketball. So it's it's a good marriage for me what I've been able to do the last 30 years or so as a commentator. Yeah, thanks, Clark. And and I consider you and, and Jay Billis to be the two preeminent voices in college basketball. So we're talking Michigan hoops here. And from a national Ooh. landscape perspective, I'd love to start off and get your perspective on Michigan basketball so far this year. Man, very impressive, especially coming on the heels of that um, woodshed beating they rendered to the Badgers um, last night. But um, they've been playing outstanding basketball. I've probably seen four of the games they've played and I think what are they 11 straight now so um, yeah very impressed and Jawan Howard you and I both know him and have followed him as a player and as a coach longtime NBA and back at his alma mater doing a terrific job but I love the way they play um, really have been impressed with their guard play particularly Mike Smith I think he's been um, outstanding in running the club and pressuring the ball defensively but they're right there I mean Gonzaga Baylor had kind of separated, and I still would give them a little separation, but I would probably um, be pretty close to putting Michigan right in that tier with those two teams just based on how they've played to this point. Yeah, it's interesting, Clark. I saw Joe Lenardi um, has Gonzaga, Baylor, Michigan, and Villanova as his four number ones right now. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, a lot has to happen between now and then, but sure. um, Hunter Dickinson is having an all Big Ten season. Yeah. Um, and and so, what have you what have you watched about his game? Maybe some surprises that you had. Yeah, you know, whenever whenever I look at big guys, Tim, and you were a big guy when you played, um, I'm looking at how they move and how they catch. Um, those are the first two things. And he moves well. It's not a fluid movement in terms of what it looks like, but how effective it is, it is fluid. And then his hands and his ability to catch um, bad passes as well as good. And then he's got a go-to shot. He's got a go-to move. He gets over that um, left shoulder, right shoulder, and he, he finishes. Um, but his hands and his feet are really pretty good. Um, his motor is good. Um, I've been surprised. Obviously, you hear all of these freshmen come in with different rankings and star ratings and so forth. And I tend to disregard all of that and try to watch them for a little bit in college to see how they perform. And um, this is a year where we've got quite a few outstanding freshmen. And then we also have um, quite a few traditional 
kind of post players when you look across college basketball. A number of big guys that are that are doing work uh, with their back to the basket, and and Hunter is 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 one of the very best, uh, I think, regardless of class, um, so far this season. And Clark, I wonder if you could sort of compare what you expected Jawan to be as a as a college coach. If you could compare that to what what you're seeing, and I ask that question because I heard a lot of commentary, not necessarily from you, but just from in general, about mm-hmm. yeah, we we got to wait to see. I mean, he's going from being a pro coach to being a college coach. Here he's a guy who is a great player, and he's going to be coaching guys who some guys who aren't necessarily pros, and he's also a guy who's made a lot of money, so he's not coaching because he has to. And you always wonder if yeah. guys are going to grind when they don't have to grind, and yet we are seeing all of those things. From Jawan Howard, so I wonder how what you're seeing compares to what you were expecting. Well, I was expecting this because, for one, I always start my evaluation of coaches, no matter what the transition is they're making, whether it's from college to pro. That's a big jump because it's a different animal when you go to the pros. It's a, there are a lot of things that are totally different in the pro game. But if you're coming from the pro to the college game and you have one, you certainly have competency and a Ph.D. in coaching if you've been around the NBA. That's a given. And then if you have great character and communication ability and you think about Jawan's path and where he was cutting his coaching teeth, he was in Miami with Pat Riley and Eric Spolstra and others. So. Grinding is not going to be an issue for anybody (laughs) that's been around that. That's going to be the last of your concerns if you've sat under that environment and those leaders. So, And Juwan's character and his career speaks to hard work, commitment, leadership. So I thought it was a great get not just for the University of Michigan, but I think for college basketball. So I'm not surprised. Clearly, there's always some learning curve and adjustments. But when you think about his ability to communicate, his character, the pedigree that he's had as a player and what he was able to learn as he got ready to be a coach, I mean, I think it was a pretty clear slam dunk. Now, would it happen in two years? I don't think it was a matter of – of um, if it would happen, just when. And mm-hmm. clearly he's um, shown that he's on a pretty um, aggressive timetable as far as um, having great success. You know, same question as it relates to player development and with, with Hunter, which you just talked about. You know, I, I have an appreciation, uh, especially being friends with Tim, for a classic big man. Mm-hmm. And, you, I mean, you, you watch the game today. You, you certainly listen to uh, the, the punditry. You, you look at the NBA draft. And they make it seem like there's no place for the classic big man. But here you have Jawan Howard, you know, taking a, a freshman mm-hmm. and having him on a on a track where he is competing at a level on par with the be- best big man in the country and is not shooting threes. So yeah. I'm, I'm curious if, if you think that that's something that's going to resonate with other big guys and make this maybe be a beacon to lure other guys in. And do you see the the NBA with guys like Jawan and, Patrick Ewing maybe coaching up some classic big men. Maybe there will be more of an appeal to some of the throwback type of type of big guys. Well, I think you always have to start with where is the game and what do you have in terms of personnel? I mean, Hunter Dickinson is a traditional 
center type player. Now the game has certainly changed and I don't see that toothpaste being put back into the bottle, but I do see if you can be effective and really good at what you do, even if it is maybe not the prevalent norm for big guys, it still has a place in the game and developing your players is part of being really good as a coach. And I think that's going to be one of Juwan's strengths. He's already kind of shown that. So I think there are opportunities. You look at a guy like Luca Garza. Mm -hmm. Um, He clearly makes threes, uh, but he also understands angles and can do work with his back to the basket um, because of his hands and his work ethic and work rate. So I think there are places. um, I've got a game on Saturday, San Diego State at Utah State. There's a big kid there, Nemius Keita, who uh, isn't a three-point shooter, but rim protects finishes around the goal, has a really good motor. I think the place for those kind of players will exist. You just have to have the right kind of back-to-the-basket traditional guy to be able to um, find a place in the NBA in the way the game is played. But those guys aren't completely dinosaurs if they bring enough skill set. Clark, you um, you were at Ohio State for three years, and we played against each other for two. How do you compare the Big Ten today to the late 70s, early 80s? You know, back then, Illinois, Iowa, Indiana, Purdue, just powerhouses, more NBA star power. What's the big difference? Because this is a great, historically great Big Ten so far. Yeah, you know, I agree. And I've thought about that, Tim. I mean, clearly we had fewer teams, so we only had 10 teams and seven or eight of them or maybe even nine would have some kind of pro on their roster or a couple. So that kind of depth and quality with a 10-team league was pretty special in that particular time period. And it's fluctuated since then, but the late 70s, early 80s was, um, I think, halcyon days for the Big Ten. Their mid, early, mid-90s was really good. And now this year and last year as well, the depth in the expanded league in terms of competitive balance, where you've got probably three or four teams that look elite, Final four-like, and then you've got another four or five that look, maybe five or six more that look tournament-worthy. And the other teams may very well find postseason play, if not in the NCAA tournament. So the depth is really, really good. The NBA or potential pro talent might not be quite as deep as in the late 70s and early 80s because, again, you had – multiple teams with multiple NBA players on the roster. And you don't quite see that to the degree now that you did then. Yeah. I want you to put a smile on my face. I want you to think back and who are the maybe three big 10 players that when you walked in the building, you knew they were there and you couldn't wait to compete against them. And then also from a national level, who's the best player that you ever played against in college? Wow. Well, if you talk about who I look forward most to competing against, it wouldn't be one player. It would be Indiana because of Bobby Knight's history and relationship to Ohio State and the fact that Indiana during my time in the Big Ten was winning championships. And so anytime that as much as Michigan and Ohio State are a football rivalry, that felt to us in basketball like our biggest rivalry, Indiana, because of Bobby Knight's presence. So that would be a team. Uh, Player-wise, man, 
there wasn't really any particular player that I most looked forward to going against. Um, as far as the toughest player I had to deal with in my three years in the Big Ten, I didn't have to guard him, but as a freshman, Kevin McHale was at Minnesota my freshman year. Mm-hmm. So he was right there at the top. I tell you, the guy who gave us the most problems, at least my freshman year in the conference, was Wes Matthews at mm. Wisconsin. I mean, I didn't have to deal with him personally, but he he um, he cost us a Big Ten championship because they were middle of the pack, and he they beat us twice, and he was right at the front of why they beat us both times. So that kind of sticks in my craw a little bit. But Indiana was the team that uh, got me most excited when when we squared off with them back. Um, Back in the way, way day. <laughs> hey. that's, a, that's a long time ago now, Tim. <laughs> well, you guys, you guys just glossed over that you guys matched up against one another. So that's why I know you played different positions. But how did those matchups go? I mean, you know, Michigan, Ohio State, uh, or whether yeah, it was in the pros, Tim McCormick, yeah, Clark yeah. Kellogg. How did that go? To, I'm trying to think. In, um, in college, I was there three years, so we played six times. I think we may have gotten them three Maybe three of the six. We may have split. Maybe maybe four two. Maybe three three. I can't recall dominating Michigan, but I think we might have ended up uh, on the plus side of the ledger. But again, I can't I can't recall with uh, with great accuracy. Tim, yeah, did you did Clark, you block can, a Clark uh, Clark Kellogg shot at all in your career, yeah, Tim? Absolutely, absolutely not. But I do know that we beat them after Clark left. That that made it easy. <laughs> but you'll you'll appreciate this. My senior year in high school, you were one year ahead of me. Yeah. I took my official visit oh, to yeah. Ohio uh-huh. State. And and for a, a kid that grew up bleeding maize and blue football, you know, for me to even go to Columbus was a major stretch. And I remember sitting there in the first row watching Joe Barry Carroll yeah. go against Herb Williams. Yeah. And I was right on the baseline and I thought Okay, maybe I should go to the MAC or another league. I, I can't play in this league. These these are these guys are amazing. Um, yeah. So so hey, um, hey, stuff. Yeah. hey Clark, I'm I'm curious when when you think of Juwan, I I am um, I see so many similarities between the two of you: family values, knowledge of the game, um, high character. Why did you decide not to go into coaching? You know, it's interesting, Tim. When I had to retire because of my knee issues uh, back in 1987, um, I got a chance to stay in the game uh, through broadcasting with the Pacers radio network. And that seemed to be something that would be enjoyable for me. I actually was offered another opportunity in the front, in the, in the Pacers organization that might have taken me along the path of coaching. But once I stepped into the broadcasting arena on radio, was my first broadcasting gig, and that was with the Pacers, I felt like it was a good fit for me. Again, my love of words, loved the game, had gotten a good education in the game, had always kind of been a student of the game, and it just felt right. So I put all of my time and energy into that. And once you do, and that train kind of leaves the station, I never really had the itch to coach or to go through the process of developing into a coach because I was getting enough of of basketball. And I like the fact that as a broadcaster, it's seasonal. Um, When you coach or play, it's not really seasonal. I mean, it's pretty much always with you in some form or fashion. So that really was it. Um, I tracked to the broadcasting early and thought I could be good at it and wanted to give all my time and attention 
and energy to being good at it. And so once I started to make some headway, I said, this is, um, this is my path and I'll learn and enjoy engaging with coaches, but I won't have to worry about the 24 um, seven nature of that gig. Yeah, you. I can tell your love of words. You dropped Halcyon days earlier in the show. I said, oh, look at that. Like, man, they're giving us a vocabulary test up in here, man. I love it. It's not, it's not it's with me, man. I love to kind of figure out different ways to say the same stuff. Yeah, well, I, this is my last one for you, Clark. You, you talked about all the things that impress you about Michigan, the coaching, the depth. You got, you got post play. You got slashers. Yep. You got guys that can shoot. They play defense. Poke holes in them for me. What are the things that you see in, you know, the four or five games that you've watched so far? What are the things that you see that you say, you know, that could be a problem. They need to improve upon that. That could be something that trips them up. Well, you know, the thing I look at is the landscape that you're facing in terms of trying to be a championship team, whether it's in your conference or on the national scale. And when you highlight the things that they're able to do and that they can do well, they'll continue to get better in some areas. But I don't really see – significant weaknesses. I like what they do defensively, particularly at the point of attack. Wagner's a hard matchup and um, getting better at the defensive end. They share the ball. They seem to be tied together defensively. Um, I think they've got enough shooting. Uh, Depth behind um, Hunter, I think, is fine. Brandon Johns is capable at the four and five. I just don't and I'm more of a focus on the positive, so I can't really offer any constructive criticism to this point, because I haven't looked at them that way. Mm-hmm. I've been looking at what they do and how they would fare against um, other teams out there. So I don't I don't have any holes. You can revisit. I'll, I'll revisit it. And as we go down the road, I'm sure I'll have one or two things. But right now, uh, I mean, unblemished and I'm doing it in, uh, in, in consistent fashion. Uh, there's a lot to like, not too much that I would uh, poke holes at with their squad right now. All right. Sounds good, Clark. Thank you so much. You're a good friend, and we can't wait to watch you as the season unfolds, and hopefully you'll be talking about Michigan in the Final Four this year. Yeah, I wouldn't mind doing that, even as a Buckeye, man. I forget about all that other stuff when I'm in my blue blazer. So, yeah, I hope I can't be talking about the Wolverines the rest of the way, because they're fun to watch. All right. Thanks, Thanks, Clark. Clark. All right, Tim. Sam, take care, guys. Talk to you soon. Another unbelievable conversation, Tim. I, I just, you know, Part of me is a is a fan when we have these as well. You know, guys that you've watched on TV and admired, and even even guys that wore the Buckeye scarlet and gray can have some some admiration. And I certainly have that for Clark Kellogg. Yeah, and for those that are younger and never saw him play, um, he he was he was a, you know he was a step below Magic Johnson, um, but at six eight, so versatile. I'm a better scorer and, and, you know, he just, he's just such a, such a great amount of knowledge. I was thinking he played with Herb Williams. You remember Carter Scott? Um, I I remember Herb Williams. I don't remember Carter Scott. Yeah. Tony Campbell played in the NBA for a long time. A name you might remember was a walk on Arch Leister. Oh, wow. Buckeye (laughs) team. So yeah, the, the, the Buckeyes really had great teams and I was um, happy when he went to the NBA because then we could start winning a little bit. For sure. Well, hey, it is definitely uh, it was definitely great to hear his perspective on this Michigan team because he he thinks they can play with anyone. And I certainly have that impression as well. But as I said after last night's game, look, there will be more tests, especially on the road. Right. I could have added there will be more tests, especially in rematches, Tim. 
teams that have seen Michigan and experienced the, you know, they kind of, Michigan brought the thunder and overwhelmed them. Kind of like Minnesota, kind of like Wisconsin. I mean, that was one of the things that Greg Gard said. He said, man, you know, you watch them on film, you see the length and athleticism, the physicality on film, but it's a different thing to experience it. All right, well, now teams have seen it. They've experienced it like Minnesota, who they dominated before they dominated Wisconsin. Now they have their chance to get a little revenge, Liam Robbins especially. How do you see the rematch playing out? Well, I um, I, I think that that's something that's really important. After after um, Michigan started their preparations for the Wisconsin game, they had a week off, and that was their biggest game of the year. And so you just knew it was going to be an A-plus opportunity. And, and I'm telling you now, Sam, Michigan-Minnesota on Saturday – is a pick 'em game, okay? Michigan had their week to focus on Wisconsin. Well, Minnesota has a week to get ready for this, and I would expect that the Gophers get off to a very fast start and have a lead at the ten-minute mark, and that's where we're going to learn a lot about Michigan. Um, Hunter Dickinson had twenty-eight and dominated Liam Robbins. As a matter of fact, the, the first few minutes of the game, it was it was a good matchup. Robbins scored. Hunter scored. Robbins scored. I think they both had five or six points at the same time. And then then Robbins never scored again. He's going to be a lot better. They're going to have a defense that's going to offer a lot more help from a physicality standpoint to be able to slow Dickinson down. Marcus Carr was five for 16. I promise you he is going to be a lot better. And, and, and Sam, if Michigan doesn't play with great energy, they will wake up on Sunday morning at 10 and 1. Yeah, I I guess I've taken it as a given. Maybe I should take it as a given that we're going to see this team bring the energy night in and night out. It just seems to be part of their DNA as a squad. Uh, you know, they inspire each other to bring that to bring that kind of fire. But I agree with you from the Liam Robbins perspective. I, I just I don't see him giving a giving a five spot in this game. You know, a player has to take it personally, especially when a freshman does that to you. So I, he had to have this circled as soon as that game was over. I can't wait to get back on the court against Hunter Dickinson. What I like about the, the rematch is, you know, let's say Hunter isn't, you know, career high Hunter, 28-point Hunter. You got big country back there to back him up, and that was one of the things that stuck out to me against Wisconsin. Hunter wasn't having his way early on. Austin Davis comes in, goes right to work, <laughs> and, you know, with a little half hook there. So you got a little a little post-help. Uh, you know, to 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 kind of ease some of that pressure off of him a bit. I like that in this contest. And then defense travels, Tim. I don't care mm-hmm. the sport. Defense travels. And this team seems to be playing on a level defensively that is going to have them in every game. I don't know how they're going to shoot every game, but I feel like I know how they're going to defend every game. And I think – that that makes me still like Michigan in this contest. Okay, so so you've got at Minnesota, Maryland at home, at Purdue. Michigan could lose any of those three, mm-hmm. and I think that if they win two of three, they've done their job and they move on. Um, when I think about the Gophers, they've lost three of four, so they are going to be exceptionally angry and hungry. Um, this is a really hard time of the year. Think think about this, Sam. You, you've got the newness of the conference. That, that's over with now. There's no fans to help you get hyped. Minnesota and Maryland, um, you know, you just blew both of them out. Joe Lenardi says you're a number one seed. 
I know that you're not going to classes and people are patting you on the back, but the Wisconsin game was a performance for the ages. And, and it's important to realize that you're never as good as you think you are. And so that's just the reason I think, I think Michigan will lose either at Minnesota or they will lose at Purdue. Um, and if for some reason they, they win all those games, then I'm saying Michigan could be historically good. Um, but I just, I just, I just feel a letdown is something that's completely normal. And if they're good enough to not come out ready and still win the game, then, then wow, th- this could be very, very special. Yeah, I hear, I hear where you're coming from. You're, you're thinking that just, you know, Michigan can't sustain that level because they're human. And I, I get that. I, I guess I'm looking at, at Minnesota when I talk about defense traveling and the way that Michigan was really able to, to disrupt Minnesota before. And then looking at Minnesota against Iowa, who doesn't defend a soul, Tim. Iowa mm-hmm. defends no one. And Liam Robbins struggled in that game. Struggled yes, mightily yes. in that game. And, and Marcus Carr struggled even more. I mean, you talk about how poorly he shot against uh, against Michigan. He was 5 for 19 against Iowa. So, yes. I mean, the, the, it's not like, you know, they had that Michigan game and then they came right back and they had some success. No, this is a little string that they're on now, and the defense for Michigan isn't going to let up. It's why I think even if they perform better, are they going to, you know, is Liam Robbins going to go off like he did against Ohio State and was Big Ten player of the week? I guess I don't see that. Is Marcus well, – Hun- go ahead. No, because Hunter Hunter played probably his best defensive game last night, so he's getting better too. But when you talk about defense travels, there's one thing that impacts defense more than anything else – and that's a team's energy level. Mm-hmm. If you don't bring great energy, you could still shoot well. You can still get to the rim on your drives. You know, you could still run good sets, but you can get exposed if you don't bring good energy on defense. And that's my worry. Okay. I just, I, I see it in all sports. If you don't, if you don't come ready to go, especially on the road, especially against a good team. You'll get exposed, and that's my worry. Gotcha. All right. So let's talk a big picture, Tim. Big Ten race. Everyone has Michigan at the top of their power index right now. The Dockage Index. He said he was taking flack from people for putting Michigan on on top of his uh, Big Ten power rankings before the Wisconsin game. Not getting any flack now. No one is. Uh, You had Michigan in your top four before the Wisconsin game. I'm curious where you have it now. How do you see this race sort of shaking out considering, you know, Michigan and the role they're on and then seeing other teams kind of drop some games you don't expect them to lose. Like we saw Illinois drop one recently, for instance. Yeah, so so right now, based off of what we saw last night, uh, Michigan is one game up on Iowa. Uh, Michigan has a favorable schedule. Iowa plays against Michigan State at home, at Northwestern, Indiana at home. Um, I do think that Michigan State at two and four can can beat Iowa. Um, I'm not predicting that, but um, and so so now I think that you would have to say that Michigan is number one, Iowa is number two, and then after that, you especially because I think that that Rutgers will beat Wisconsin, Illinois is that third team, and right now it's a three team race. Yeah, man, it's I I think back to. At the beginning of the podcast, we said, if you had said Michigan by 40 over Wisconsin, <laughs> if you had said, if you had said Michigan can beat anyone in the country, I just, 
I, I couldn't have predicted that we'd be able to say that at this point. And yet here we are just a fun team to watch. I know that there's going to be some adversity that they face. I know there's going to be some, you know, some L's, some checks in the, in the loss column, but man, this team has the, the ingredients moving forward. They play together. They're selfless. They're skilled. They're deep. I just I think this is a team that's going to be be around him, which brings me to uh, I love to hear your lists, right? So we we did your all Big Ten team. How about we get into talking about freshmen? That's been a, a big discussion of late because a lot of Jalen Suggs talk, uh, a lot of Kate Cunningham talk, and now with how Hunter Dickinson has been playing, so like, wait a minute, you know I know he wasn't ranked as a five star coming out of high school, but he's certainly playing at a five star level now. So starting to command some attention as far as the best freshmen in the country are concerned. So let's get Tim McCormick's take on it and give us your your all-freshman team. Sam, you and I were the first to say that Hunter Dickinson was one of the five best freshmen in college basketball. It was right before Thanksgiving, and, and so I'm glad he's getting that recognition. And as a matter of fact, ESPN is calling him one of the five best players in all of college basketball. They had... Luca Garza, number one. Jared Butler from Baylor was number two. Um, Corey Kispert from Gonzaga. By the way, people say Gonzaga. They're the Zags, not the Zogs. So it's Gonzaga. Okay. Got. And then Trace Jackson Davis from Indiana is number four. Hunter Dickinson, number five. And then I just kind of wonder, you know, is that going to be enough uh, as he continues this growth to be on the wooden list? Uh, he's the top scorer on a number one seed team right now. And, and, I was also thinking about Hunter. It wasn't long ago he was the sixth man, right? right. It seems almost <laughs> ludicrous now coming off the bench, spelling Austin Davis. Um, but, but yeah, so I've got Hunter on my all-freshman team, and, and it's obvious. Um, the rest of my team, I think, is, is also pretty obvious. Jalen Suggs, who you mentioned, if you give me a choice of any player in college basketball, to be on the Pistons next year, I select Suggs, a complete player, just a superb athlete, high character, solid D. I think he has superstar potential. I just love his game. Uh, also, Cade Cunningham at Oklahoma State. I watched him last week. Loved him at the top 100 camp. He's six foot eight, but he plays like a point guard. He's got really good skills. Um, watched him a little bit. He had 18 and seven uh, when they, they played Kansas. So he's fantastic. Uh, Evan Mobley, who is a consensus number one high school player in his class, he's at USC, seven foot long, excellent rebounder, like a double-double guy. And and he's lived up to the hype so far. And the last choice, not quite as easy. Um, I looked around, and, and I remember a kid at the top 100 camp that I really liked a lot. And, and he's had a, a fantastic freshman year. His name's Cameron Thomas at LSU. Uh, he's 6'4". He's a guard, played at Oak Hill. And and his first college game ever, he uh, he had 27. So th- this is a kid that that's worth watching. Um, Wednesday night, I'm going to be watching him on ESPN. So that is my all freshman team, Sam. Uh, I I like your list, Tim. I did want to before we close this edition of the Michigan Basketball Insider. There's been so much. I mean, the the praise from everyone about Juwan Howard has been on the rise. And when we talked about this last. It was about how there was just this this perception, not and maybe it wasn't about Jawan as much as it was about just former players who become coaches and 
just this wonderment about, hey, you know, is he gonna, you know, is he gonna be able to handle the the, the college game and teach the college guys and. Is he gonna? He can recruit, but the the grind of recruiting is he really gonna win? He's answering all of those questions, uh, but the culture piece of it, Tim, is is the part that's really resonating with me. When you have the bench he has, when you have the 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 defense, the commitment to that end of the floor that he has, you know, from top to bottom, when you have the captain of your team diving on the floor for loose balls. That's not by accident, man, and and it, it made me want to get your perspective on what we're seeing from from Jawan Howard and whether or not you're surprised by any of that. Wow, I appreciate you giving me the chance to 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 rave about Jawan Howard, and and I've known him since I was in college. I helped recruit him, and I'm not surprised with with somebody of his character being successful. Look, it's it's still really early. In a week from now, Michigan could actually have a losing streak, and the narrative would be completely different. But right now, Juwan Howard is the Big Ten Coach of the Year, right? I, I think that, that would be pretty obvious. Um, along with Scott Drew at Baylor and Mark Few at Gonzaga, I would say that he's in the running for National Coach of the Year. And, and here's why. He continues to have great success coaching big men with the emergence of Hunter Dickinson. He started him out really slow. He, he spoon-fed him early, and then he unleashed him to the world. And Hunter is really special, but Juwan Howard deserves just a ton of credit. Uh, also, and I, I think that that you having a, a global perspective on COVID, um, how it's affected teams that have done all the right things, but it just happens sometimes. Um, much of the COVID failures are based on bad luck. But with that being said, you have to give credit to those programs that that have have been COVID free. They deserve respect and admiration and a job well done because it takes a lot of discipline and camaraderie and love of team to make good decisions all the time. As an example, the Michigan football team had massive COVID issues on the same campus, you know, and 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 a lot of basketball players run in the same circles as football players, but, but Michigan basketball under Juwan has been disciplined. And then also he's integrated key transfers and you can tell a lot about a team based on the enthusiasm on the bench. They're having so much fun. And then most important, they're 10 and 0 and they're in the running for number one seed. And so kudos to Juwan Howard and his assistant coaches and the entire program. This has been a feel good version of the Michigan Insider Basketball Podcast. <laughs> it sure has. I, I mean, man, I haven't been – look, I'm fired up every time we do a podcast. I'm fired up every time I watch Michigan. But, man, it's hard. I mean, you'd have to be a, a stick in the mud to not be excited by what you're seeing from this team right now and the potential, the, the great potential that they have. It's just guys that you like, too. Guys that you you like that they're having fun. You like that they like one another, and you like that they're – they're successful at the same time. So we will be back next week to dissect what it is we see from the Wolverines uh, coming up here. Looking forward to uh, getting back with you again next week. Tim, it's fun as always. Great podcast, Sam. Thank you very much. All right, folks. Thanks for listening to the Michigan Basketball Insider.